0: The City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey everyone. Man, I I wish I could see you. I wish I could say hi in person, but I can't. But you know, I've missed you. I've missed you since March. Um, But now many of you, some of you, maybe you know that I just got back. My family, I just got back from a A long road trip, we drove over 5,400 miles. We spent over 100 hours in our car. We drove to 12 different states, many different gas stations, lots of rest stops, and so many dead animals along the road. It was an amazing trip. It was so much fun. It was a great trip, but there's, there's so many things that happen on a road trip. Road trips are, are an interesting, and if you've never been on like a real road trip, I'm not talking like here to flag. I'm talking about a road trip where you're on the road for hours, even days at a time. And this is our first major road trip as a family. We'd been to Colorado, it's like a 13 hour trip, but this is like insane a lot of time. And what's crazy about a road trip is you go through it, so many emotions joy and sorrow, frustration, anger, and, and happiness. And you go through the, these different things. You, your, your car goes through smells you didn't think were physically possible in such a small space. You, you go through breakdowns, and by the end of the trip, you really learn how to pack a car. You really do. Man, how much I could fit in my car by the end of the trip was amazing. But here's some things that really stood out to me. The journey is is so full of emotional ups and downs. It's so full of them. And life is, is so much right like that. Life is, is so full of ups and downs and twists and turns. Because our life is a journey as well. It's a journey and it's not always fun. It's not always easy. It's not always safe. But it's the life that God has called us to. It's a life that God has given us. It's a life that God says, go and live and be free. And in that life, we have choices on what we want to do and, and the decisions we want to make and we have decisions whether we want to live in this freedom that God has or whether we want to live in this fear that can hold us back. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the series I'm titling it called Freedom Over Fear. Freedom over fear. And we're going to look at the people of Israel and their journey that they went on as they were set free from Egypt and as they walked into the promised land of what God has for them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love and care for us. God, I thank you that you Lord, that you're always there even when we don't feel it. Lord, that you always hear even when we don't sense it. And Lord, that you're always moving even though we don't see it. And so, God, I ask that you'd speak to us, speak to your people at churches all over the valley today, God. Wherever people are either meeting or watching online, God, I ask that you would just do a work in our valley. Lord, whether it's at Relentless or a Redemption Campus, or whether it's at Calvary or CCV, Lord, maybe it's Desert Springs or Desert Bible, Lord, wherever your people are, God, meet them. And Lord, I pray for our valley. God, bring about a revival that that changes things in a way that we've never seen or never even thought could be done. Lord, I pray for this virus. I pray against it. Lord, I pray that you would get rid of it. Lord, that you would cast it out, that you would cure it. And Lord, that we would not be scared of it. God, that we would live in the freedom and the joy and the love and the security that we have in you. Lord, because in you, we have fullness of life. So Lord, bless us now as we look at your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, my name is Jeremiah, and if you're joining us, this is your first time. in the lead pastor here at City View Church, and I want to thank you for joining us. And if you watch the City Kids experience, Callie and Annie, they asked a very amazing and very poignant question in, in their, in their, the kids experience today. And they said, We wonder if Jeremiah is eating ice cream at this moment. Now, for many of you, you're watching this at whatever time. Maybe it's Sunday morning, Sunday evening. Maybe you're watching it sometime in the middle of the week. Well, that City Kids experience was recorded Tuesday night. And as a matter of fact, Tuesday night, I was eating ice cream. So the faith that they had in me of eating ice cream in that moment, that faith is strong. And that same kind of faith that they had that Jeremiah, me, that I was eating ice cream, we can have that faith in God too. Because God is good. Does he eat as much ice cream as I do? No, but he's as faithful and as good as any scoop of ice cream can ever be. He's better than it. But that, that's just something a little funny there. But over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking and spending time looking at the people of Israel in the Old Testament. And today we're going to start in a book called Exodus and looking at the journey of the people of Israel. And I understand that some of you might be new to the Bible. You might be new to church and you might be new to this whole religion kind of thing. And that, that's, I'm so excited for you if that's you. If you're new to this G- Jesus journey, because just like life is a journey, when you take a step into faith, it's a journey as well. And, and if that's you, I'm excited for you. And we're going to be looking at these people called the, the, the Israelites, the people of Israelites, God's chosen people, um, and what God did and how God used them and how God set them free. And then Exodus is where we really meet them. We, we meet them as a whole now. They're, they've grown from a family of 12 to an entire nation of a, over a million. And they're enslaved to what is called the, the people, the Egyptians in Egypt. And and at the beginning of of Exodus chapter 1, the people of Israel, they're they're growing in chapter 1. They're growing and they're growing and they're becoming this mighty nation. And, And it says that there was a new king, a new pharaoh in the land, and he saw how many there were and he feared them. And so he said, we must think of a way because if they realize how big and mighty they are. They might overtake us. It's amazing the things that we will do out of fear because that was never the people of Israel's heart. Egypt is not the land that God said they would have. Egypt had nothing to do with them. They, they never, they just were there It as a, a pit stop for them. Like me on, on, our, on my trip, I never intended on staying the night at a rest stop. Not one time, it was a rest stop. Some rest stops we spent way more time than we really wanted to, but it was just a rest stop. And for the people of Israel, it just happened to be a very long rest stop. But the Pharaoh, this this Egyptian ruler, became fearful of them and acted out of ignorance and enslaved them for hundreds of years. And so the people of Israel have been slaves in the land. And and they cried out to God and they said, God, please set us free. And in that time, there was a young boy named Moses who was born. And Moses and, and, and God, he had placed on Moses' mom's heart. The, he, he allowed her to have his eyes for that child. And she realized that there was something special about Moses. And during this time of, in that, the history of the people of Israel in Egypt, they were actually, Egy, the Egypt, they were so scared of the, the men that were being born that they started killing the babies. And Moses' mom knew that Moses was special. And so she hid him. And she put him in a basket and, and pushed him down a river. And Pharaoh's daughter ended up finding him. And she raised him. And then Moses, in this time, he ended up murdering a guy. And that's never a good thing. You shouldn't murder people. That's bad. Moses kills the guy and he runs in fear. He knows that God has told him to set, his, to set God's people free. But he was doing it the wrong way. And so Moses runs and, and he runs into the wilderness to, this, to the people called the Midianites. And, and in Midian, he becomes a, um, a shepherd for 40 years. But that becomes the training ground of getting Moses ready for what God's about to do. So as Moses is in the wilderness seeking God, not really seeking God, actually just doing work because he figures God's forgotten about me. God doesn't know who I am anymore. God doesn't care. I've ruined God's plan for my life. That's what Moses thinks. I've ruined God's plan. I'm just going to be a shepherd. And I don't know how many of you, maybe you're this person right now and you're listening, you're watching, whatever it is, and you feel like you've messed up your life so bad that God says he's done. You cannot mess up so bad that God quits on you. God can't do that. And so Moses, even though he had murdered, even though he had totally overstepped his bounds, even though he had done things he should never have done, and now he's doing a job that, that nobody looks up to, that even in the land of Egypt, uh, uh, a shepherd is the lowliest of low. So even in the culture he was raised in, he knows he's doing the lowliest of low jobs. And in a moment, in a moment, God speaks to him. He's not looking for him. He's not seeking God, but God speaks to him. And what's crazy is that same time God is speaking to Moses, Moses the people of Israel are crying out in, in, in Egypt, crying out for freedom. And so Moses comes, and then we come to. Exodus chapters like four, five, six, and seven. Moses comes to Pharaoh and he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, No. And then we get what is called the ten plagues that come upon the land of Egypt, frogs and the river into blood. I encourage you, read Exodus. Read the first few chapters of Exodus, that they're super fascinating. Read those. Take some time this week. And so Moses says, well, and, and, and 10 times Moses goes, actually more than 10 times. He goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. And each time the plague gets worse and worse until the final plague of, of chapters 11 and 12, the firstborn is, is killed. And God tells the people of Israel, if you put blood over your doorposts, blood will cover and protect. And that, that, that blood, that, that what God told them is, is that it's a picture of the blood that covers us and saves us. And so as the people of Israel do this in Exodus chapter 12, and they, they do this, and then the angel of death comes, and there's much weeping. It says in Exodus chapter 13, verse 4, it says, On this day in the month of Abih- Ab. Abeb, I think it's also the month of Nisan, also known as Nisan. It says, you are about to go forth. So God tells the Israel, on this day, you are about to move forward. You, you're about to go and do what I've called you to do. Not yet, but about to. You're about to move forward. And, and so the people of Israel are reassured of this promise. And God speaks to Moses there that they are about to be free. And then we see in verse 17 that, uh, of Exodus chapter 13 that, that Pharaoh, it says, verse 17, now when Pharaoh had let the people go. So now you have a million people traveling in the desert. I'm sure people in this moment are, are full of excitement and fear as they're moving forward. They're leaving what, what in some ways seemed sort of safe, and maybe even a little bit comfortable have you ever been safe and comfortable in a situation that's really not the best situation for you but because that's what you have known you're sort of stuck there and you don't want to move forward you don't want to go and do something different you don't want to go and do something else because you're sort of scared of moving forward have you ever been there have you ever been in that moment little comfortable at times, to know, to go free into a world of the unknown. A world with its own dangers and mystery, but yet it's freedom. And they're following a guy who has never led people like this before. Moses has never done anything like this before. He's leading them into a situation he has never been in before. Moses has never been in a situation leading a million people into the wilderness, into a destination that God says go forward and do. He's never done it. The only thing he's ever led is sheep. That's it. He's leading to a place he doesn't know exactly where it is or what it's going to look like. But it's that journey. It's that journey. You know, as my family, as we took this road trip, there were different destinations, but we didn't know what the whole thing was going to look like. We just knew where we were going. They didn't follow God blindly, though, the people of Israel. They were like, okay, fine, whatever. You know, they were blessed. God was leading them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It tells us that there in Exodus chapter thirteen, verse twenty-one, the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day, to be to lead them on the way, and a, and a pillar of fire by night to give them the light that they might have to travel by day and by by day and night. Excuse me. I'm sure many of us are looking for anything for God to speak to us in this moment. In these days, in these times, that just seems so confusing and weird. And maybe you're one of those people are like, "God, I, I need something. I need to hear from you, God, I, 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 God, what's happening? God? Can you just give me some encouragement? God, anything, I need something." You're probably thinking, well, I could trust God too if if he led me by a cloud or a big wall of fire. I mean, if God says, go this way, and I see this ginormous 10-story cloud saying, go that way, just follow the cloud. Yeah, that would be easy, Jeremiah. Anybody could do that. I mean, if the people of Israel had it easy and at nighttime they had a wall of fire, Man, if God said, follow the wall of fire, I'd be like, easy, okay, or, or do wherever the wall of fire is. Is it on door one, door two, or door three? And if it's on door three, it's like, okay, God, I could go through door three because there's your wall of fire. God, got that, that makes it so much easier. It, maybe some of you are thinking, Jeremiah, that's, that would be easy. The people of Israel had it easy, but hold on. It was not easy for the people of Israel. It's amazing at what fear will do. It's amazing how fear can so easily grab you. Fear will make you forget reason and push it right out and push you into a place of despair. Fear doesn't pick favorites. Fear doesn't choose to go upon some and not upon others. Fear will overtake anyone and everyone if it's given just an inch. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Are you living in the spirit of power right now from God? Are you living in the spirit of love from God right now? Are you living with the spirit of a sound mind? Are you stepping back and really thinking of things right now? Or are you so stuck and so wrapped up in a moment, in the unknown, in things that don't make sense? Are are you so stuck in that? Or are you willing to step back and say, okay, God, what's going on? You see, the people of Israel, they forgot these things. They forgot about the cloud in front of them. The journey that they took was not exactly what they expected. Because here's what happened to them. I think they thought it was going to be easy. You see, God never said this life that we're living is ever easy or ever safe. Never has God said, hey, pray for an easy, safe life. Never. I I can't remember what I watched. I watched something years ago, a a pastor. He said, why do we pray to be safe? So when I pray over my kids, I don't pray, God, please keep my boys safe. Of course I want them to be safe. But I say, God, help my boys to be courageous. Help my boys to be confident. Help my boys to be world changers and culture setters. That's what I pray for my kids. I don't want them to be safe. I took my kids to India. I don't know what I was thinking, but I did. Did I want them to be safe? Yes. But did I want them to be used? Way more. And so the people of Israel, I think they thought it was going to be this safe, comfy, easy trip. We're going to the promised land. It's just on the other side of the sea. We're going to get there. Life is going to be good. All of that. But God never promised a safe, easy journey. He just made a promise. And here's the people's response. So they're, they're leaving, they're free from Egypt. They're, they're on this journey. There's a million of them together and they go and they come to the, the Red Sea. And so they have the Red Sea in front of them. It says, and then they said to Moses in Exodus chapter 14, verses 11 and 12. And then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? This is not the word that was spoken to you in in Egypt. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. So it it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. They've seen God do all these 10 plagues. They're watching the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by Night. They are seeing these things visibly in front of them every single day. The cloud in front of them. But then all of a sudden they have the Red Sea and the Egyptian Pharaoh behind them. And I don't know what place you're in between right now. I don't know what your Red Sea and the enemy behind you is. I don't know what, if your Red Sea is covid I don't know if your Red Sea is trying to figure out how am I ever going to get a job. I don't know if your Red Sea is what am I going to do with my kids. Is school ever going to open? I don't know if your Red Sea is am I ever going to find somebody to marry because I've been on lockdown for my entire life. I don't know what your Red Sea is. I don't know what your enemy that you feel is chasing behind you. But the people of Israel are stuck in the middle. They have God visibly in front of them in the form of a cloud. In the form of a pillar of fire. Yet, they allow fear to creep in. And man, I can be the same way as them. I can forget all about God and allow fear to grip me. And what's crazy for us is we have God's entire word, we have this entire book. The people of Israel had the words of Moses, and that's it. We have God's Word right here that can encourage us. We stand on the other side of the cross. We know that Jesus died on a cross, but He didn't just die. We know that He rose again. We stand in a place where the Holy Spirit can speak to us. We have so much more at our fingertips than the people of Israel did. Yet we doubt too. We allow fear to take in too. We allow fear to overcome us instead of living in our freedom. You see, the devil loves to use fear to freeze his people. He loves to use fear to paralyze. He loves to. Fear can paralyze and make us so unstable and make us not move or do anything. He loves to use real fears that make sense to capture a free people. The devil loves to use it. He loves to use things like, well, why wouldn't I be scared of that? I mean, who wouldn't be fearful of not having a job? Who wouldn't be fearful of of a virus? Who wouldn't be fearful of of this? Who wouldn't be fearful of, uh, 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 of whatever, kids going to school? Whatever your fear is. God, the devil loves to use that and stir it and poke it and make it grow and make it seem so much bigger than it really is. When we were in Tennessee, my brother-in-law, we he lit a fire and as it he could, tried to get it, we we're gonna do s'mores. And what's crazy is he kept trying to get the fire to grow and the fire would not grow. So I could sit there and see that there's really no fire here. It's not. I mean, there's some red embers, but that's it. There's really no fire here. But when he got his leaf blower out, you want to know what that leaf blower did once you put oxygen on it? It made the fire look huge. But guess what happened when he turned the leaf blower off? The flames died down and it just was simmering. How many of us are we allowing a situation that really has no need to be fearful of, yet the devil is taking his... his leaf blower and making the flames look huge and we're like oh my gosh it's such a big situation and God's like no it's not he's just making it look big why are you fearful when I've set you free why and that's what the that's what he does with God's people they are stuck in the middle of what they see as death the red sea in front of them and the enemy behind them and they go to Moses and they say it's your fault we're all gonna die and I'm sure Moses is thinking, God, it's your fault. And I'm sure Moses is going, God, I what am I supposed to do? I'm I'm not trained in this. God, you did not you did not teach me when I was shepherding sheep. You never never took me into the middle of like 500 wolves and my flock of sheep and then a, a river. And you never did this, God. You never said, okay, Moses, now part the little stream so your sheep can cross. God, you nowhere know, is this in the training manual. Nowhere is it. God, I have no idea what I'm supposed to, That's where Moses is at right now in Exodus 14. He's going, God, I, I don't know. The people let fear overtake them. In those things that were unsure, and Moses is looking, going, "Man, God, my sheep—they never talked back. My sheep just followed and trusted me, God. That's that's it. That's all they did. God, all these people do is complain. God, how am I supposed to do it? And I can, so, man, I can so relate to Moses. I love Moses. It's amazing. God, God, so speaks to me through Moses because Moses is so much like me. He has doubts. I have doubts. He reacts in anger. Man, I I react in anger. He cries out to God and he's emotional. And Man, I'm emotional. You guys all know that about. Maybe you all don't know. Maybe some of you are very new and you're like, I've actually never met you in person. I've only seen you on video. Well, I look forward to seeing you one day in person. But I am. And I can understand his struggle. I'm trying to figure out, God, what am I supposed to do? Should we just give in and say, okay, fine. Egypt will come back to you. We're sorry. Should we just do that? Should we run and try to go around the Red Sea? God, what is it we're supposed to do? And it's like, it seems like in in this moment, verse 13 of Exodus chapter 14, but Moses said to the people, do not fear, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again. And the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. So he says that to the people of Israel and the people of Israel are like, okay, how is that supposed to work? I'm I'm sure they're like, that's a great pep talk. It's sort of like when you watch those movies and you see the hero, the the, the main character and they do that rally cry like, everybody, it's going to be okay. We're going to fight. And the hero has to somehow figure out, do I even believe what I just said? And it says, verse 14, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go Forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hands over the sea and divide it and the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. So Moses, he turns to the people and he tells them not to fear and he says, watch God move. And it seems like after Moses says that to the people, he turns to God and he's like, God, what does this look like? God, what what am I supposed to do? God, I don't get it. I'm stuck. And God says to him in verse, I I love how God says, why are you crying out to me? God says, Moses, I already told you what to do. I'm sure Moses is like, this doesn't make sense. Do you not see a red sea in front of me? That doesn't make sense. God, that, that, I don't get what's in front of me. And I've been in those situations and I'm in the, that kind of situation even now. I'm looking at a Red Sea and an enemy behind me. And I love how God speaks to Moses and he says, go forward. God says, just obey me. I already told you what to do. Tell the people of Israel to move forward. It's not clear what you are walking into. I know it looks dangerous. I know it looks irresponsible, but move forward and you obey me, Moses. And that's that's the call. That's what God is explaining to Moses. I know it doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't look safe. I know it looks radical. I know it looks crazy. I know it's a Red Sea that is huge and deep. And who knows, maybe it's flooding at that moment. Maybe it's raging at that moment. And he hears the screams and the yells and the horses and the chariots of Egypt. He hears that. He sees the dust churning. He sees the enemy. He sees all that coming. He sees the Red Sea, which is huge before him. He sees all these things and he's stuck in the middle. And he did what God called. It says he takes his staff, he raises his arms and, and it says the Red Sea divided into, and, and maybe some of you have said, no, there's no way that, got, that, that, that can happen. If God can raise a man from the dead, God can divide a sea. I believe God raised a man from the dead. His his name is Jesus Christ. I believe he raised him from the dead and I believe he saved me from my sins. I believe that. So it's not hard for me to believe that God can divide a sea. If God made the sea, he can divide the sea, he can do whatever he wants. It says says there in Exodus 14, it says that the the sea became like walls and the people of Israel walked on dry land. And I know there's shows that say it wasn't really the, the Red Sea, it's a misinterpretation. It was actually called the Reed Sea and the Reed Sea, at certain times of the year, the winds will blow and make it look like dry land okay that's and and the reed sea is not very deep okay that's great and all then how do you get hundreds of men to drown in a couple feet of water prove that to me because that's what happens next the people of Israel start walking and, and as the last, I don't know, maybe 150 people are all the way on the other end of the Red Sea. They turn around and they start seeing the enemy come into the ground. They see them riding their chariots and they see them coming fast and they know, oh, I don't know. I was going to say something else, but oh no, we're about to be overtaken and they're running. You have parents picking up their kids. You have dads yelling at their sons, run faster. You have you have men yelling at their wives, why are you walking so slow? You have old people that are just trying to get through on the other side, and you've got these people that are just in a hurry, and you got Moses going, people, please pick it up, because the enemy is right there. They're in the Red Sea. They're right in the middle of our path that we just made. They're on horses. We're on feet. What are we going to do? And so they have this tension. There's this tension. Okay, God, we know you said go to the other side but the enemy is right there and then it says as they all exited across that sea and as they stood on dry ground on the other uh, the other side of the sea because I'm sure in the middle of it they felt scared and it was so scary in that in the middle of that can you imagine wondering God are these walls gonna hold Are these walls of water gonna hold what if Moses's arms get tired what if he lets his arms down for a moment? Will the wall, will the sea walls fall? As, he get, as Moses gets to the other side, I'm sure he took up the rear, because that's what, leaders lead from the front, but they also cover the rear. That's what they do. And I'm sure as Moses walked and as he made sure the last person was out, God says, "Now Moses, raise your arms and bring it down." And in that moment, the walls of water came falling down and drowned the enemy. The people of Israel see what God did. They see how God moved in a powerful way on their part. And it says in Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, we see them praise. We actually get to enter into a little worship session of theirs. So if you can picture a nation of a million people singing the same song. A million people singing the same song and they say in verses 1 through 3, Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider have been hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. The Lord is a warrior, and the Lord is his name. They sing, The Lord is highly exalted. The New Living says, He has triumphed in glory. The Lord is my strength and my song. I will praise him. I will extol, exalt him. God is our warrior. And when it says, and the Lord is his name, the idea that Lord, there's so much depth into it. As he says it the second time, he means meaning God, the creator, God, the most high, that's who he is. And that's his name. He is the creator. He is the commander. He is in control. He loves us. He's our Adonai. He's our Yahweh. That is who he is. And he is our warrior he fights on our behalf and they sing the song there was so much joy if you can imagine this joy that they, they've been spending these these first few days however long it took them to get to the Red Sea I don't know we don't know exactly and they had spent this time they they were in so much fear and they hated Moses now then the other side like Moses you're a hero Woo, God Moses raw you know they're all excited and they're able to walk in safety and in confidence and then we come to chapter 16 Less than 30 days later, 30 days. It says in verse 1 of chapter 16, Then they set out from Elam, Elam, and all the congregation, all the congregation of the sons of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departure from Egypt, from the land of Egypt, And then it says in verse 2, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Can you imagine a million people grumbling at you because of the decision you made to set them free, to do what God has called you to do? It says in verse 3, then the sons of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the lord's hand in the land of egypt they say man we could have just died as slaves in egypt and that would have been better than to be free and you see it says they grumbled and they they're grumbling in fear they're they're hungry and they don't know where they're going to get food and They've forgotten that that God had set them free and they forgot that God had been leading them. The cloud is still in front of them and the fire is still there by night. They they have those things, the cloud and fire, and they just watched God part the Red Sea. They just watched God set them free from Egypt. They they just watched God do things and now they're scared again because it, it wasn't easy and it wasn't safe. They let fear in and fear is so powerful. It's so powerful. It's amazing what fear will make you forget. But God is stronger. Fear was a constant struggle for the people of Israel. Fear is always chasing. It's always creeping in the dark places waiting for a moment to pounce in our lives. Fear right now in our nation it has us under such a stronghold, and maybe you're one that's stuck in fear. You're stuck in fear, and you don't you don't know what to do. You don't know how to move. Fear is. It's so easy to allow to have it over our lives. But you see, God has set His people free. He walks before his people. And God responds to his people in in Exodus chapter 16. He tells Moses, he says, I will rain bread from heaven for you. God says, Moses, I got you covered. I'm not going to let you die. You're you're my people. I'm not going to bail you or fail you. I'm here. Will you just trust me? And the people of Israel this entire time, they really struggle with trusting and seeing God and what God's going to do. And even though the people were free, they allowed fear to take them captive. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, it says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. And for so many right now, slavery is fear. We're allowing it to hold us and shackle us. And and we walk in confidence of, of so many different things. And I don't know what your confidence is in right now. Of what you think will protect or guide or have you. I don't know what your confidence is. But you see, if our confidence isn't in Christ, if our freedom isn't found in Christ, if our life isn't found in him, then we will live in fear every day. We too can easily allow fear to take us captive. We can allow fear to make us slaves. But because of what Jesus did, we are free. His death on the cross sets us free. Jesus set us free that we might live in freedom. Remember 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is not from God. And I know there's so much unknown right now. I know, I get it. I'm living in the same world you're in. I'm living in the same world you're in. But if we're willing to step back and, and see what God has. Because fear will make us see things that aren't really there. On our trip, we were staying at my aunt's house. We are in, in the basement of our house. And my kids have never really experienced a basement before. And it's sort of funny. Um, and You know, just having that, a fear that doesn't really make sense. And so my kids, they're in the basement, in my aunt's house, in the room Laramie and I were going to sleep in, there's a porcelain doll. Not going to lie, porcelain dolls are a little scary. But one of my sons thought it was so freaky, so scary. He was so scared of this porcelain doll. And, and, And not rational fear. So one of my other sons, I won't name either one who did what or who was scared of what. You can ask them yourself. One of my other sons went and grabbed that doll off of the table and went and hid in the bathroom so that when my son came out of the shower, he pushed that doll in his face and my son came running out screaming and crying and so scared. Daddy, that's such a scary doll. Why did he do that, dad? And he's so scared. And I'm like, son... It's not real. It's not real. It's just a doll. It's just a doll. But Daddy, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to see it. And so what did I do? I took a towel and I covered it. I wonder how many of us, we just need to trust that God's got our fears covered. And he says, will you please walk in the freedom that I've given you? Will you please trust me? I'm leading you. I've got you. I will guide you. I know it doesn't make sense, but we're going to get to where we want to go. Fear is not from God. Freedom is from God, and that is where God wants us to live. Freedom over fear. Next week, we're going to be looking at how do we walk in this freedom? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, God, that you are faithful and true, Lord, that we can trust you, Lord, that we can rely upon you, Lord, that you, even in our irrational fears, Lord, you are strong, Lord, you're faithful even when we're not. And so, Lord, I ask, God, that if, if, if we are like the people as you're constantly moving between fear and praise and fear and praise, Lord, I pray that we would walk in freedom. Freedom of knowing you. Freedom of who you are and what you have for us. And God, I, I just thank you that you are a good God who loves us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. For up-to-date series information, find us on social media at CityViewPHX or go to cityviewphx.com.